I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casazza here Thursday morning. Game just around the corner. Chris Anderson on the spot here. Biggest game of Neil Brown's career. Is that every week now? Is that what this is? This one feels like it's heightened though, right? I mean, I mean, obviously the deeper you go and the more you win, everything's worth it kind of feel like if they win Saturday, sure, home game against Cincinnati is significant. They win that one, oh my gosh, what could be on the table against Baylor? If you put all the games so far up to this point, can't imagine one trumps this one. You know, the NC State game was a big one because it was a home game against Power 5 and they scored 44 points and K-N-E-E-L Brown was born. Feels like that one pales in comparison to this one. This one's big also for reasons of how do you view this season because mm-hmm. uh, i answered this on one of the mailbag questions was if if west virginia say loses this game wins their final two and they finish eight and four that sounds fantastic and it's something they should be proud of like it's not easy to get eight and four no matter what your schedule is but out of those eight wins <clears throat> it is possible maybe even likely that none of them will be against teams that finished 500 or better. Zero wins against a bowl-eligible team. Yeah, does this remind you of 2016 and Dana's 10-win season where they didn't play one ranked team? Yeah. It's interesting. It's um... but do, we, like, do we think negatively about that season, though? 10 wins. Yeah, right. Not too many 10 those, is right? different than 8. 10 is different than 8. But, yeah, like, I mean, that the, your, your comment there about not playing a ranked team, that is not the first, like on the tip of the tongue of most people that you talk to. Oklahoma's ranked. They are. And for all the grief that you can give the schedule for, while they don't play Texas, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, you got Oklahoma here. You're on the road. You've been picked for the prime time spot on Fox. You got an offense that people want to tune in and see. You got to punch your stance here because you can score with a team that has really, really run laps around you offensively since you've shamed, since you've shared the same space in the Big 12. We can get to those numbers in a second here. It just seems like a lines up. And as I was thinking here, frequently West Virginia, as led by Neil Brown, has to go into a game and do certain things. If it's going to punch up and win, has to be a little bit out of character, has to exaggerate or accentuate some of its strengths. Chris, based on what we've seen for the past four weeks, which is kind of what this team has become, what do they have to do different? to win or is the prescription the same as what they've been doing for the past few weeks? Because it seems to me like if they're just good at what they've been good at for a while, that's pretty much all they can ask for as far as a competitive standpoint. 
You're right. And each, each time we talk about this, we say, at least as far as some of the scripted stuff goes, don't try to go too far out of your what you do well to try to exploit somebody else. Because then all of a sudden you're doing something that you don't do well. And it doesn't matter if they they can defend it well or not, for instance. Um, there's one thing that they tried to do <clears throat> at various rates here that I think is going to be open against Oklahoma. And we'll get into some of the stats here in a minute, but you go through it and you're looking at, I'm, I'm looking at some of these things and it's like, how is this possible? How is this happening? And suddenly I go and look at the long scrimmage plays allowed by Oklahoma. They're one of the worst in the country. Yeah. Like they rank 90th in like 10 plus yards played or yards plays allowed, 20 plus yard plays allowed. I think it's better. So it, it's telling me that there's this zone, this medium range zone that you can attack against Oklahoma. Mike, is there a zone that West Virginia's offense does not attack well? Would it be the middle? It would be the middle. Uh, like, I'm not talking middle of the field. I'm talking, you know, distance-wise, because mm-hmm. they can run the ball. They can hit the short passes. Garrett Green has shown an ability to throw the long ball, but they've struggled to kind of pick apart that middle uh, middle section of the field, middle distance kind of throws and stuff. And it, it's not that they're avoiding it, but it's there against Oklahoma. I just don't know if West Virginia has the current skill set to exploit it. I think you're probably going to tell us a little bit later that Oklahoma's defensive backfield could be better. Um, that might say, wait a minute, if they've only got three reliable defensive backs, put four receivers out in the field and see what can happen. That would mean West Virginia getting out of character because there's almost always a tight end and frequently two tight ends in the field. They're not going to go 10 personnel just because Oklahoma's secondary is forgiving, they're going to attack the secondary in those soft spots based on the personnel and the packages that they have and they use all the time, which I still think could be effective to the point that you're saying there. Um, By the way, one of the better Neil Brown quotes, um, I don't know, ever, about why they're throwing it deep instead of short and intermediate. Did you catch that? Was this something about Green's uh, touch or lack thereof? Yeah. <laughs> Like, if we're going to complete 50% throwing it deep and we're going to throw 50% yes. completion percentage throwing at eight yards, we might as well just throw it 50 yards. <laughs> Which, that was that was really good. It was a nice little kind of kind of a jab, but kind of a compliment, but kind of a coaching thing. So, yeah, I'm down with it. I like that. I like that quote. Did, uh, did you, I was going to say we, but did you coin the basketball analytics analogy where it's three-pointers or layups? There is no mid-range game here? Because I hear that a lot now, and I'm like, wait a second, I think you owe my boss royalties. <laughs> I don't know about uh, royalties on that, but that does that that is, if it works in basketball, why can't it work in football? And especially when that is just how your skill set is currently geared, because it's not there. I mean, we've seen it. Everybody knows. Brown knows it, Garrett Green knows it, and maybe that's something you try to work on in the offseason, but for right now, layups of threes and nothing else. Let's talk about I'll, the I'll keep it out in the, what's it called, the the free open source that okay. comment. Everybody Hat and pending. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to the office, we'll build the paperwork. Outgoing member of the Big 12, Oklahoma, this is the program that has been synonymous with the league for as long as West Virginia has been in here, probably even longer. A little slow start once the league was opening its doors, but Oklahoma was kind of rebuilding. Believe it or not, Oklahoma was down right before Bob Stoops arrived. And I don't know, Texas likes to think it's Texas and it really matters. Good year for them. No no, no problem saying that. But for as long as West Virginia has been in the Big 12, Texas has been meddling, I guess. Okay. 
back a couple times, but just want to wave goodbye to Oklahoma with some plaudits here because it's really impressive what they've done. I think we won't see this in a while. Nine and one against West Virginia in the Big 12. 44 or more points, seven of those 10 games. 42 to 28 is the average score. In six of the last eight meetings, it's 45 27. And then just the dominance of Oklahoma in the Big 12 since 2000. 14 league championships, 13 home losses. No other team has won more than three titles. They've won 14. 173 and 60 in the regular season. The next best team is Texas, 154 and 79. That's a 19 game difference. It's just an incredible streak of dominance here, which as parity comes along, as these conferences get bigger and bigger and the playing fields can become leveler with all the other variables involved, might not see something like this for a while, especially in the Big 12 too. So tip of the cap to them. Let's get to the matchup, Chris. And let's just start with that Oklahoma defense. Um, turns out Alex Grinch was not a magician. Um, he did leave. The defense was terrible last year. Terrible without Grinch. But Better this year, and Grinch is not around. Venable seems like he knows what he's doing. They have an influx of talent from the portal, especially in the defensive line. One linebacker, one safety who doesn't play that much. Front to back, strength, softer spot, weakness. And the past two games just haven't been very good against runs, um, which is probably where West Virginia is going to look to excel. Yeah, I'll start with the I'll start with that running game since you went there first. I was okay. looking at some of the stats about third down defense for Oklahoma and how they're so good. Um, they are amazing, 29% on the season. They've been pretty consistent with that. And a lot of that is uh third and longs, which I want to also touch on in a moment. But the run thing, you just mentioned that they they have not been as good. Part of that has been on third downs. It was really wild. I was looking trying to look do the stats based off of third and short, third and medium, all that stuff. Teams on third and short and third and medium, which, again, you're facing like a third and one, so all your goal is to get a yard or two. You're not, you know, going for big chunk plays. Teams are averaging almost eight yards per carry in those in those plays on third and short and third and medium, like third up to about six yards. Opposing teams are averaging – over six yards per carry hmm. and are converting on more than 50% or exactly 50%, more than 50%, 14 of 27. So more than 50% of their third down attempts when they run the ball on third and short and third and medium. So there's some wiggle room in there uh, for West Virginia to try to do some things, but that just kind of stood out to me, that third and short, third and medium stuff with, with their run defense is kind of weird. Yeah, and this is where it's strange, Chris. And and when I talk about how we were surprised by the point spread, 13 and a half points, it's not really moved very much. I think it's actually gone a little bit higher in some books, but typically um, right around 13 and a half. Um, where, how, how did this happen? This doesn't seem like it matches the eye test. West Virginia's offense is good. Oklahoma's lost two in a row. What's going on here? Well, it's look at the season as a whole. Um, if you believe in EPA, um, expected points added per rush, Oklahoma's defense is number two in the country. Um, if you run the ball 10 times, you lose a point, basically. That's what their EPA is. And then their success rate, which means the offense improves its situation by running the ball. They are number five in the country. They only allow a successful run 35.5% of the time. Now, how much of that is tilted in the last couple of weeks? Quite a bit, but that's still a really good performance for the push of the season. And West Virginia's offense, seventh in the country, 
in rushing yardage per game. Its EPA per rush is number 22 in the country. Its success rate for running the ball um, has been healthy. Uh, right now it's at 44%, which is 37th in the country, but Oklahoma's just been better there and has faced some good defenses. I wonder about that rush defense. Qualified third downs, West Virginia going to get a lot of third downs because they like to get a lot of snaps. That just to me seems like it's a really big deal. I think the running game here is probably both ways going to be really important in the game, but I don't know how West Virginia wins this one unless it's doing damage to the ground. Yeah, and, and over the last couple of weeks, we have had this discussion of, hey, the, the success, is it more due to running backs? Is it more due to offensive line? You know, obviously a little of both, and I think we've talked about the last two games and how maybe two games ago it was it was more the running backs, and last game it was more the offensive line. Well, this one, this one's going to be on the offensive line because – Oklahoma gets teams into a lot of third and longs. Mm-hmm. And they rank top 10 in the country in tackles for loss. So, hey, that makes sense. Of course, you know, you get tackles for loss, you force longer conversion attempts. Except they also rank 87th in sacks. And typically, there is a very large correlation between tackles for loss and sacks. So teams that you're seeing in the top 10, top 20 in tackles for loss are typically teams that are in the top 20 or so in sacks as well. But what this tells me, if they're top 10 in tackles for loss, but one of the worst in the country in sacks, is that that run defense is, is stifling, and they get into the backfield and attack, and that can be a problem, especially for a West Virginia team that, like you said, likes to run a lot of plays, likes to get up there, get in those third and shorts and, and convert. And Man, it, it's it's just you don't often see that kind of dichotomy between tackles for loss and sacks. That's a great point, and good TFLs – and their pass rush, we'll get into that, I'm guessing, here in a little bit. But it had been great. They usually have one of those hell races off the edge that can do something. And haven't seen that a whole lot. First four games, Chris, um, zero points allowed, 11, 17, 6. 20 against Iowa State. So actually, let's go first five games. Since then, 30, 29, 38, 27. 150, 156, 149, 225, 147 rushing. They've been up nine rushing touchdowns in the last four games. They had none in the first five. Is it as easy as that? Our team's just committed to the run because what I don't mention there is that the past four teams have run at 40, 41, 41, and 38 times. This feels like that they're swinging the axe of the tree and sooner or later they hope it falls down and they can wear Oklahoma out and just kind of grind them into the ground with their run game. And those run offenses, Texas can run the ball. UCF, yes. Kansas, yes. Oklahoma State, yes. I think West Virginia's next in line there to take a swing at this. That great, great analogy of just the swing in the axe, just kind of bashing against it and hoping for some to change because the yards per carry hasn't been great. Like, I mean, Kansas went over five yards per carry, but all the other three, Texas, UCF, Oklahoma State, all under four. But like you noted, all four of those teams love to run. I would say all four of those teams are probably the four teams that run more than anybody else on their um, schedule, except maybe West Virginia. They're going to be right in there too. And you got to just keep getting after it. And I think, um, you know, some of that is like, I wonder how much of that is going to change like in the third and fourth quarter because we saw Ollie Gordon do really well against West Virginia, and that's who who played Oklahoma last game. And is he going to break out in the fourth quarter like he did against West Virginia? Kind of did, but can West Virginia do that? Can West Virginia keep their running backs healthy and, uh, you know, ready to go? by rotating those couple guys around Donaldson and White, and that way they can take advantage of Oklahoma in the fourth quarter too. I don't know. We'll see. Selling a little 
or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Magic number for West Virginia, 25 first downs. Documented that a little bit. Well, guess what, Chris? In the final four, in these past four games, 25, 20, 25, and 27 first downs. Uh, Oklahoma one of the top first down offenses in the country. They, they get the ball and they move it. They third downs, first down, second down, doesn't matter. They get a lot of first downs. But the other team, again, just persistent. Getting 25 first downs is indicative of success. It means you're doing good things. And that maybe it's a vulnerability for a lot of teams in general, but that has been Oklahoma's thing too. 25, 20, 25, 27. I do want to add, though, the losses are at Kansas and at Oklahoma State. Two row games by five and three points. And there are weird moments above them where it could very easily be different. Um, a lot of the West Virginia, oh, could be seven and two, extend the same possibilities, and Oklahoma could very well be nine and oh, but they're not. And it's not all the rush defense. Let's go to the secondary here. Uh, Gary Green does have an arm. He will throw it somewhere around the field, deep, short. We'll see. But there are some targets in the secondary. There are some matchups for West Virginia to look at, um, especially as they. Let's, let's be honest, they brought in a tight end and a, a receiver to be guys, and this would be a game for Devin Carter and Cole Taylor to be a guy. Yeah, some of this stuff, I talked about tackles for loss and sacks, those numbers just not matching up correctly. It was making my brain hurt. Some of that works with this secondary, too, because and this is where you tell people, stop staring at basic stats sometimes, because if you look at, hey, where does Oklahoma rank in pass defense? You're going to see them come up in 105th in the country based off of uh, passing yards allowed, allowed per game. You switch that to passer rating, which takes into account you know how, how many attempts it takes to get to that point, how many interceptions you're getting, how many touchdowns you've allowed, all of that critical information. They're number 19 in the nation in pass, pass defensive passer rating. And so much of that centers around their starting safeties 
and and one of their cornerbacks is that they are just completely all or nothing. They, uh, Bowman, Lawrence, and Williams have a combined nine interceptions, all of them with multiple interceptions. And you, you think, hey, that's that's pretty outstanding. That's that's a, a great trio of defensive backs. Except you look at the other stats, and they have, and I'm not trying to pile on the guy here, but it, it's kind of been established that Marcus Floyd is not the best in coverage. He allows like 66% completion percentage and 15 yards per reception in coverage this year. That's what all three of those guys do as well. Like they all three allow over 60% completion percentage and two of the three average uh, 15 yards per reception allowed. So they are quite literally, we're picking this off or you're getting a big play here. And, and that's, I mean, it, it's a dangerous game and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it really doesn't. Slot cover doesn't been great either. Um, Devin Carter has been in the slot. Cole Taylor will play in the slot. I'm not sure how much they're going to move um, Rodney Gallagher up the field, but he's in the slot. A lot of their activity and their productivity on offense has come from the slot. Uh, feels like a, an area they're going to have to push and see what they can do something with. Going deep, sure, see if he can, but intermediate shortstop, I wonder if that's not an avenue for success. Is this the Devin Carter game? The third, I think it's the third Devin Carter game we've had. Potentially, one of them worked out really well, right? I was gonna say it, it hasn't been bad. I mean, he's he's had his ups and downs too, but um, it has not been bad. Yeah, look at that man. They really are not good in this in the in slot coverage. No, a couple guys that uh, safety in a corner, safety in a corner, take runs at it. Uh, looks like the teams can pull down that safety they can find it. Maybe that's by going four wide. Still don't think West Virginia will do a lot of that stuff unless they motion a tight end out, but possibility for sure. Anything else on the offensive side for West Virginia against the defense of Oklahoma there? Got to have red zone success. Um, Oklahoma, in their games leading up to and including Texas, they held opponents to scoring only 70% of the time and a touchdown on just three of 11 trips. I believe the Texas game, Texas made it into the red zone three times and got one field goal. That was it. And and Texas lost by four. That That's why Oklahoma won that game. That's why Oklahoma won a couple close games. Since then, since that game, and including these couple of losses, opponents are, average, are scoring 87% of the time and have scored a touchdown on eight of 16, 50% of their trips into the red zone. And when you're playing games where what you're losing by three, you're losing by five, you're winning by two, like, that stuff matters. That stuff matters all the time. But when these games are four points, two points, five points, three points, you're going to end up on the wrong side of that if you uh, don't convert in the red zone. So, if, or, or if you allow other teams to convert in the red zone. So that's going to be important for a West Virginia team to get in there and get touchdowns, not field goals. Yeah, if teams cross the 40 on them, they don't get a lot of points. Like, like less than three. So you figure across the 40, you're thinking field goal, hoping for a touchdown, but across the 40, that's yeah, it doesn't work out very well for them. So I wonder how ambitious West Virginia will be. They're typically pretty aggressive when it comes to fourth down, but um, th- this might lead to some curious calls. And again, I think this is a game where, I mean, every game seven is greater than three, but you're probably going to have to have sevens here, just the history of the matchup, but also the Oklahoma offense, 39.9 points per game. Um, that's going to work for you. And again, similar to like last week, West Virginia, BYU, it's not the same matchup here, but you help your defense out a lot when you play with the offense. And, man, the offense for West Virginia did the defense great favors last week. Um, flip it up here. What do you say? Let's do it. 
Not Lincoln Riley offense. Still pretty good, though. The quarterback, excellent. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, makes really good plays. Uh, better and healthy this year. Can see it, can play it. Running game is balanced. They have some playmakers at receiver. Their offensive line isn't as dominant. Doesn't have the the vivid star power they're used to. The tight ends, they don't have that tight end fullback that typically causes a lot of trouble with matchups and formations. But they do have some talent. They have some playmakers, and they get big plays, and they score points. Um, how do they make this happen? I think it, It's efficiency from Gabriel. Uh, he's had a couple hiccups lately, and that's, again, part of the reason that they have lost the last two and struggled to beat UCF. But he before that little stretch there, he was, I believe it was 16 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns to just two interceptions. And, you know, was averaging like five, six yards per run. And it slowed down a little bit the last three games and has thrown an interception in each of the last three games, which is certainly not like him. But when you're completing 71% of your passes and you bring a running element to the game, because he also has eight rushing touchdowns on the year, that really changes everything and, and kind of keeps you in it at all times. It's something that has helped for the same reasons that, you know, West Virginia has had success with Garrett Green, a quarterback. It's keeping you out of more third and longs when you get those little scrambles. Uh, you're converting those short passes. Again, he he's more of a short pass guy, and we can get into that with some of his numbers. Um, very different from Green. Like, he, he lives on the underneath stuff. But when you're efficient and you can move with your feet, it just keeps the offense from going backwards, which can really set you back. Yeah, his uh, completion percentage is 71.3. And with, with a, a fair amount of deep balls, he has a good deep ball guy. Uh, we'll get to him in a second. But, man, Chris, 69 screen passes this year. That's the challenge for West Virginia on the perimeter. Um, not the Beanie Bishop, Malachi Ruffin, Jacoby Spells can't tackle, but that's going to bring the spear and the bandit into it, too. They're going to have to be outside doing things. Um, if they put multiple receivers out there, they can block, and all of a sudden you get that edges. They do like to run the edge. That's a typical Oklahoma offense. They're just spreading it out wide and trying to get there. But man, it just takes a toll out of you having to run the ball and you know chase a screen over and over and over. And even if it's four or five yards, that's not a, a successful pass play. But they're moving the ball and they're taking it out of you too. And they'll go to that quickly. On um, I mean, they run a lot of plays when they go fast. They're about as good as anybody in the country when it comes to tempo. And they're they're good at that. But Gabriel. Really does trigger it. Uh, does run, not by design. He's just nimble. He can do stuff like that. Um, has some targets, though, and probably the most noticeable one, obviously, would be Nick Anderson, redshirt freshman. Leads the nation 24.9 yards per catch. 20 receptions. Eight touchdowns. Um, go balls. Um, Beanie Bishop game, probably. They're going to need him to continue to lead the country and passes defended, passes broken up. Um, that's a matchup there to definitely watch. Uh, Farouk, another outside receiver, and then Drake Stoops inside. Weird season for him. Um, just going great. Gets everything going. 52 catches, 28 first downs. And you just think of that guy, you're like, man, he must be Mr. Third Down. There's nine catches on third down, six first downs. That surprises me, but slot, 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 always moving, always an outlet. Short average depth of target, but pretty productive when he does get it. Um, not the, the bright, stars that you're used to seeing when it comes to their passing game, but still some pretty good options there for Gabriel. And, and he also lifts up the receivers too. Let me ask you this, Mike, does, does West Virginia do anything different with their corners because of these guys? Cause again, you mentioned Anderson six foot four 
And, yeah. and Farouk is not small, 6'1". Mm-hmm. And, and West Virginia's defensive backs aren't exactly, you know, they're not the Rasul Douglases that are 6'1", 6'2", out there that can keep up with that. Still play zone, you know. They they keep talking about how they got to hit their landmarks here. I guess you know that's the one thing. But the one thing that when they're when they're good, they're they're hitting guys in that legal area, that legal time, and it just it levels things out quite a bit. And Bishop's a good player, and Ruffin's been solid. I don't think that anybody is good backpedaling and having guys run running free at you and doing double moves. It makes it very difficult. Um, I would probably say they're going to have to be extra careful just about making sure that they do those things physically just so they can hang in and, and, and compete there. Because if not, it could be, could be tricky for them. Um, they have Austin Stogner back again. They always have a good tight end. Stogner's, you know, not himself anymore. Hasn't been a great, you know, option in the passing game. Blake Smith, the tight end from Texas A&M, kind of fascinating. Uh, 4.9 yards on the target. So it doesn't move very far. 13 yards after the catch. They find ways to get him free in space all the time too. Um, and that just comes down to Chris pass rush. Can they do something to Gabriel? Because here's what's fascinating about Gabriel. When he's blitzed, he's excellent. Doesn't make mistakes. High completion percentage. Good yards per attempt. Things generally work well. That's a veteran who knows the offense and who can probably anticipate a blitz come and he sees it. You know, they go fast. They line up fast. They don't always go fast. They'll line up fast and you read the defense and, okay, that guy's blitzing. Okay, I recognize this. I can expect this. So the blitz is coming. He knows where to go with it. He's a much different quarterback when he's pressured. There's a difference. Blitz is the plan and he can see it coming. Pressure is generated after the snap, not before the snap. And when he's pressured, he comes back to earth quite a bit. So everybody wants West Virginia to rattle the passer. Blitz, send some heat. Okay, that's good. You have a much better chance of defending any offense, especially this offense. If you can just kind of be organic, just play grassroots defense and get your four and five guys to get to the quarterback. Um, the defensive lineman, the band, the defensive lineman, the mic. If those guys can just get pressure on him, it makes Gabriel quite a bit more normal. Are they up to that against Oklahoma's offensive line? It's not great vintage Oklahoma offensive line. It still does have good players, though, and the portal has helped them. Yeah, as you were describing it there, real quick tangent, you're making me think of uh, Donovan Smith for Houston. It was the same way. Everybody was on the board screaming, blitz him, blitz him. And the stats bared out that he, he went nuts. When West Virginia blitzed him, he had an excellent day when he got blitzed. So it is, like you said, about getting pressure without blitzing. Of course, every defensive coordinator would love to get pressure without Gordon, uh, without blitzing. Like that, that's the goal. That's the dream. But it's not as easy as you think. And this offensive line, like you said, solid, decent. Um, they got three guys who have given up double digit pressures, just 10, but kind of 10, 11. Uh, that's right tackle Tyler or no. Yeah. Right tackle Tyler Guyton, right guard McCade Tower and left guard Caden Green. Um, But again, none, none that, you know, we've done this, this bit before where we talk about an offensive line and and getting pressure. And I talk about the big, you know, neon light pointing over his head, pointing right at him. There is none of that against Oklahoma. So it's really going to be about winning your one-on-ones and, Jordan Leslie having to get creative with some stunts and stuff. And here's the problem, though. Well, let me go over the numbers here, too. Blitzed, he's 53 for 82, 65% completions, eight touchdowns, one pick, 10.1 yards per attempt. Great. So maybe be careful, don't blitz him. Pressured, 30 for 60, 50%, 
still 9.8 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, three picks. Um, and that's in roughly the same number of dropbacks. So it's a pretty even sample size, pretty significant sample size. Pressure, blitz. You can play defense without blitzing. You can harass the quarterback without blitzing. Trouble, though, Chris. So many screens, so the ball's out quick. It makes it hard to blitz and get pressure if the ball's out so quickly. They also do play action 52% of the time. And guess what? He's great at that, too, because they can get down the field and make things happen. So the play action and the quick stuff definitely makes you uh, – it, t- it takes some of the steam out of your pass rush. It makes it not worth blitzing because it will be out of position. You'll be stuck in the middle and the ball's outside, or you'll be stuck in the middle, and all of a sudden you think it's a run and it's a pass, and you're on your heels and it's tough. Um, where else, though? I, I guess let's get to the running game because that does seem like the equalizer, and I mentioned both sides. Um, this one kind of concerns me a little bit. They have a number of backs to get in there. Sometimes they find a hot hand. They have some good run blockers, and when they move the ball on offense, they've generally run the ball pretty well. But also, I feel like if you pay too much attention to Gabriel, one of their backs is going to get you. Anything indicative of success for their offensive game plan here if they run the ball? Like, are there tells? Have there been common traits in their good games? I've noticed that some of the some of the way they run, they spread it out. Again, maybe I feel like when we did this, uh, these kind of preview pods and looked at the advanced stats, it used to be that there were some pretty very obvious, hey, this guy runs over left guard a lot. This guy runs over right guard a lot. These guys are a little more spread out, especially Walker was a little more even, um, and and he's their leading rusher at the moment, although not much. Again, they, they um, spread it out, like you said, for a few different guys. But as according to PFF, their run blocking grades for their offensive line are pretty abysmal. Like I think it was 105th in the country, um, somewhere around there, which is kind of surprising given how uh, there it is. Oh no, 95th in the country. Um, so I think a lot of that goes on to the offensive linemen. But then again, their running backs have graded out so well that they're still getting some decent chunks of yards when they get out there and get in space. Real quick before we get to the final one, you got to start hot. Just because you're on the road, we saw West Virginia put the pedal to the metal last time they were down there, mix things up effectively with Daigie and Green, did pretty well. Uh, Oklahoma outscores teams 112 to 37 in the first quarter. And they just don't give up points in the second half. So uh, they like to make it a 30-minute game, and they're really good at that when they're at home too. Chris, 7 p.m. start. We know how this goes. We've had a lot of these. So sometime after 11, we'll be talking. Who? What about to explain the outcome here? I, I can't decide if I'm mad at you for saying what you just said or thankful that you just gave me the perfect alley oop assist. Because I was going to say first quarter, which I believe was your thing a couple weeks ago, because Oklahoma, as you noted, starts out excellent in the first quarter. Um, they outscore their opponents. They do anything and everything they want, and then they kind of you know clamp down, kind of boa constrictor type in the second half. Their passing game, and part of the reason, again, that they get out to that lead is because they attack, and their passing offense in the first quarter currently ranks number five in the nation in passing yards Ooh. in the first quarter. Um, they have nine touchdowns, one interception. Again, tops, uh, I believe nine is the most in the country. Um, they go out and they get first downs. 38 was second in the country. Like they just, they move the ball and they're not afraid to take shots early in the game. So West Virginia's secondary here needs to be prepared for those early shots from Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel. So the West Virginia can then get the ball back because would you like to guess who's one of the best rushing offenses in the first quarter this season? 
Well, is it also Oklahoma? No, it's West Virginia. Oh, boy. I wouldn't pay attention. So get the secondary. If, if, if West Virginia's secondary can be prepared for these big shots, get the ball back. West Virginia ranks number seven in the country in rushing yards in the first quarter. So um, it, it's something that here that they can they can try to take advantage of. I'm going with the running game here. I just don't know how West Virginia doesn't. I'm not saying they do 300 again, but if they're not over 200, I just think that the the plot gets away from them. It's hard for them to have the ball. They're a healthy time of possession team. Oklahoma does this without great time of possession, but if Oklahoma gets over 30 minutes, good night. Um, because they will suffocate you in that second half. They have a chance because they can run the ball. Um, and if Oklahoma does get the ball going on the run, they've been pretty consistent passing the ball against any number of defenses. So they're going to get theirs to the air, probably especially against a defense like West Virginia's. If it's level, if it's close to even, that's a bad recipe for West Virginia. Oklahoma's only had more running yards twice in nine games than passing yards so far. Typically, it's not even close. Um, they like to pass the ball. They're good at passing the ball. But if they can sit in the ball and run it, it's going to be a long night. Whereas West Virginia, they want to do that. If they can sit on it and run it and make it a long night, it's a good recipe for them. Chris, wrapping it up here, what do we have left for the rest of the week? We're going to have some insight from our friends over at Sooners Illustrated to give more of a preview for this weekend's game. we got the Friday night basketball game, right? I, I didn't imagine that, correct? No, correct. Monmouth. Another big one. Mm-hmm. And oh, then Josh Eilert on Thursday. Yeah, later today. Mm-hmm. Maybe some news, maybe not. I feel like we say that every time we speak and we've yet heard nothing. So no news nope. is uh, not news. Oh, is it breaking? Quick? No, 50% off VIP. Get in there now because a lot of people talking about that VIP recruiting buzz that has the full layout of what West Virginia's plan is for football recruiting moving forward. So jump on that 50% off. Get in there. Share your thoughts. Read up. It knowledge uh, without giving it away. Extremely interesting nugget with what they're going to do in the recruiting class coming up. Does that mean anything to you? That yes, I, I think it does. I think yeah, I don't want to spill it all, but yes, it does mean something to me. There, there's an if then there. If this is the decision, then this is probably implied. Uh, only one way to find out though. Fifty percent off, not too bad. You get the full podcast, not fifty percent of it. Until next time, I'm Mike Casazza, and I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.